using a pair of Apple. What is that? Oh, it was my dad's phone, and I'll phone him back later. See, your dad's got the, the worst timing in the world. I know. You, by the way. I know, I, every I, single I time. A, I, I think it's every pod. I think he's desperate to go on the pod. I think that's <laughs> No, I've lost my headphones. And he never sold out. He was only about three quarters. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Uh-huh. Excuse you. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the I Ready Podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? I'm very well Derek. How's you mate? How was your trip to the States? It was fantastic. I'm glad I went there and, and came back before the dollar decided to push through the pound. <laughs> exactly. Or you'd maybe be stuck there still, still trying to thumb your way home. Fuck it, I wish I stayed now. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. And didn't want to go to Florida then though, mate, with the hurricane coming. But apart from that, it's yes. uh, I think I'd rather be be there than here, put it that way. Yes. So yes, all my trips are done for the year. That's me done. The next uh, big trip adventure I've got is my wife having a second child, so uh brace yourself, Derek, for e- that one. Exactly, Derek. And uh, like I've said to you many, many times. Welcome to a taste of my world. That'll be all right then. Holidays every year, <laughs> five of them. <laughs> what are you expecting that one day, Vonnie? Come on, Derek, that's a bit much. Four, four. <laughs> yes. So after the excitement of me being away, we've got two games to cover. Obviously, we had the, the international break as well. Thank God it's coming to coming to an end now. Um, but two games to cover. I'll cover the Napoli game, and Dave will cover the Dundee United game. Yes. So, without further ado, we'll go down the tunnel and onto the pitch. So, the first game we've got to cover here was on Wednesday the 14th of September. It was at home to Napoli in the Champions League Group A Game 2 and we unfortunately lost 3-0. However, a marked improvement from the first game against Ajax. Yes, it was, Derek. A very disappointing result. But as you're about to get into, there were certain factors that played a huge part in the result more than anything else. Yes, absolutely. So, we made five changes from the Ajax game. Of note, zero new signings in the starting eleven, so I don't know if that's a big telling thing there. We lined up McGregor, Lundstrom, Goldson, Sands, Barisic, Tavernier, Davis, Arfield, Jack, Ken and Morelos. On the subs bench were McCrory, Budanakis, Rudvan, Davies, King, Devine, Kamara, Tillman, Cholak, Matondo, Wright and Sakala. So obviously McGregor getting a starting place because McLaughlin is injured. Um, Davies back from whatever it was, whether it was an injury or a personal issue, I don't know, but he was only on the bench. Yes. Before we get into that, though, is that obviously because of the passing of the Queen, the UEFA have said that there was no going to, not going to be any Champions League anthem for the game. All the players were wearing black armbands, and for the, just the start of it, I thought it was going to be the full game, but just the start of it, no sponsors. And we were explicitly told that we were not to sing at the na- national anthem, which is completely bizarre. But... I am so, so proud of my club because in defiance, the the Union Bears had put a great TIFO of the Union flag on the Broomland stand with a silhouette of the Queen in the middle and just before the minute silence had finished, Rangers started up God Save the King and it was absolutely breathtaking, Dave. It was incredible, Derek. We've had acclaim from all over the United Kingdom and the world for the way that our supporters put that on it was it was a show for it for all to be seen Derek it was a fitting tribute to Her Majesty the Queen and obviously the new King Charles also it was it was absolutely spectacular and really as you say it was an act of defiance which I don't think anyone is really bothered about if we get any, any bother for it whatsoever and uh, just Im- impeccably done by all so you know well done to everyone that was involved in that. It was it was quite spectacular. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly drew the plaudits from, as you said, worldwide. Uh, a lot of national praise and a lot of national coverage for that and saying good on us. We're not getting punished for it. UEFA have decided not to do anything. However, unlike the club over the other side of the city, they are quite rightly getting punished for their absolutely disgraceful behaviour in the last couple of games. Certainly, they had a, a banner at their European game saying, fuck the crown, and some random reference to the guy who broke into the Queen's bedroom 30 <laughs> odd years ago. What doesn't he make sense? It's, you know, it's, it's obsessive behaviour, Derek, more than anything else. But yeah, quite rightly getting punished for that, Derek. We knew it was going to happen, didn't we? We we, we knew there would be something like that. Even their manager appears to be completely fed up with their antics as well. So uh, you know they're getting shown up for what they really are. They had their minutes applause in the the game against I think St Mirren as well. And it was a stand up if you hate the Queen or something like a clap if you hate the Queen or some shit yeah, like that. Nonsense, I mean, they've yeah. been they've embarrassed themselves on a national and an international scale, and the best of it is has been noticed this time. But nobody yeah. talk about them too much. We've got no, this game to cover. No, definitely not, Derek. Yep, definitely. Yeah. So in the first half, it was a good workmanlike half. Napoli had more of the possession. They had some dangerous chances. They were the better team for me. I know a lot of people have said that they we we were maybe the better team, but for me, it was Napoli. But nothing overawed us. That was the big thing for me. Other than hitting the outside of the post on the second minute and a block in the 18th, anything McGregor had to do was fairly routine. Granted, it was a big block in the 18th, mind you. Had Napoli been a wee bit more clinical, then absolutely it might have been a different story. However, we were more than decent. We defended well, shown on a good few occasions that we could break and shown we were made of. And arguably the best chance of the game for both teams came on the 12th minute when it was a lovely quick move between Barisic and Kent down the left. A back heel was involved as well. It was a cut inside to Arfield who had a blistering shot from 25 yards, forcing the keeper into an absolutely superb one-handed save and out for the corner. That's the kind of chance we want to be doing is making the keepers work for it none of this yeah. pish where it's just right at them or went by it goes over the bar or by or anything like that make the keeper work yep definitely I would have said we definitely dropped the last 15 minutes of the half. However, chances were few and far between. Napoli had a dangerous piece of play on the 38th minute when it was a ball whipped right in front of our goal from a free kick on the right. Goldson cleared it from a corner quite unorthodoxly I think as well. Second half, we really needed to up the tempo, get in about them, keep it tight at the back and take our chances. Now, Dave, I think that's when you kind of dropped off, wasn't it? You had to go to work? I did. Unfortunately, Derek, the management at my work, even though they all know how fanatical I am, supporting my club would not let me start late that night even to watch the game. So I was sitting out in the car park at my work an hour early just so I could watch the first half on my phone and then that was me. But at that stage, Derek, like, I mean, obviously I've watched the highlights back and stuff, but as you say, Derek, Napoli finishing the, the, the first half, the stronger team, but, you know, still, you know, I, I still felt that we were, you know, we're playing so much better and still had a, a confidence for the second half because I thought to myself, if you just keep going out, snapping into tackles, being first to, to every ball, we've got a chance here is what I thought, which, you know, I was really surprised at that stage that I was still feeling like that. I mean, that's the thing as well, is it was a not just a marked improvement from the, the Ajax game, but a marked improvement from the Celtic game as well. Every player was playing, they were going for everything, they were going full-blooded into challenges, something we hadn't seen in the previous two games. Yep, definitely. So into the second half... A really harsh second half for us, obviously losing three goals. We started off the half well, we had a good 10 minutes, and then the red card and penalty pretty much undone us. So in the 55th minute, it was a penalty to Napoli. The attacker was through on goal, Goldson and Sands trying to keep up. Sands cuts across and barges into the player. He was given his second yellow card as well. A VAR, a VAR check was, was done and it stood as well. Now... Sands, I think he was maybe a wee bit unlucky there. It yep. was more clumsy than anything, but later of the law, it was a penalty. I have no issues with the penalty. Yellow card, I don't think it was a yellow card at all. Bearing in mind, he had just been given a yellow card a few yep. minutes beforehand as well. However, it's not the first time Sands has done that. He was lucky against another team, I think. No, he should have been sent off. I think Ross County, I think. He's picked up a number of yellow cards early on. This is a, a trend that needs to stop as well. 
I know he is still a young player, Derek. I know there's, uh, you know, we can we can hand out excuses. He was a player who I actually think steadily was getting better as well. Each each, each performance he was playing, he looked more, more and more steady in in, in the defence. But as you say, it was it was clumsy, and you know the, the penalty was gone. But like you, I didn't think it deserved a yellow card. No. So that completely changed the game, but drama was about to unfold, obviously, because they did score the penalty on the 57th minute after the VAR check. It was hit to the left. McGregor makes a great dive and save, but the other player from Napoli runs into the box and gets the rebound in. However, as they were celebrating, a long VAR check ensued, and it turned out that it was a retake ordered because the follow-up player was encroaching, who the one who hit it in the back of the net. However, unfortunately, Tavernier had encroached into the box as well. Apparently, if I got the rules right, if Tavernier hadn't encroached, it would have been a free kick to us rather than a retake. Really? All right, yeah. okay. So, want to watch out for there. Yeah. However, in the most... I, I cannot believe he'd done this. The retake... My stream went down. I missed the whole thing <laughs> as it played live. However, watching it back, the same player hit the penalty to the same side. McGregor dived again to the same side and he saved it again. Just absolutely yep. unbelievable. That guy, <laughs> he's 40-year-old and he's still pulling out saves from penalties like that. I know. D- D- Derek, I don't think that any of us have any doubt in McGregor's shot-stopping ability, even at the age that he's at at the moment. There was just other, other things that me and you have s- s- spoke about t- time and time again, but when it actually comes to his instincts and re- reaction to blocking shots and stuff like that, he's absolutely fantastic. And as you say, for the penalty, it goes exactly the same way in the same, you, you know, the, the same save. She shows the nerves that, that he's got and uh, you know, li- lifted the whole stadium at that point, didn't it? Absolutely. I mean, two penalty saves, what else can you say? It's obviously going to do, do that. We made a substitution on the 63rd minute. Ryan Jack came off and King came on. And then, rather unfortunately, on the 67th minute, another penalty to Napoli. This time it was for a handball. The outstretched arm of Barisic. Can't complain, and he was booked for it as well. Again, I'm not sure if it was really merited of a booking. It was well, certainly certainly quite close to him. I don't know if that's really the rules at all. Can't no. have an argument with the penalty, though. No, it wasn't, Derek. It was a, it, it was a penalty. Really unlucky in the, the timing of the penalty as well because, you know, just after everything that happened, we were trying to regroup, we were trying to get our f- f- formation sorted and it just came at the wrong time for us, didn't it? Yep. And unfortunately, a minute later, they made it 1-0 because it was not the same player. It was Rebound Boy who taken the penalty this time, hit it to the opposite way. McGregor did dive the right way. He did get just a wee skiff of his hand to it, but it went under him and unfortunately we went 1-0 down. Yep. 70th minute, Morelos, who was already on a booking, pulled the defender back by the shot right in front of the linesman. A foul was given. How he never got sent off for that, I do not know. That is just another piece of absolute moronic play from Morelos there. I cannot believe what he's thinking sometimes. I don't know, Derek. It's uh, Again, how, how many times have we spoken about him? I know he's not had a lot of game time either frustrating the fact that we had battled that far. I, I don't know. It's something I think you would have to ask him more than anything else. Two minutes later, Morelos and Arfield came off. Cholak and Watondo came on. Now, it would have been a good opportunity potentially to put two up front. However, I wonder if Morelos was going to be coming off anyway or was his wee pullback to that force Gio's hand? We're not going to know that, Don't know. No, don't yeah. know. McGregor had a good save from a shot on the 77th minute from uh, Napoli just outside the box. 82nd minute, Tavernier and Davis came off, Kamara and Tillman came on. 84th minute, there was a long shot from Napoli, easily enough dive and save from McGregor. It was all Napoli at this point, really. I wouldn't say we were backs against the wall at all, but it was certainly becoming increasingly increasingly difficult to try and hold them off, and we weren't getting anywhere near their goals at all. Uh, So... Uh, it was always going to be a, a, a loss from that point on. And it was compounded on the 85th minute because they made it 2-0. It was one-touch football, a 1-2 in the box, and a simple tap tap in. Really cut apart easy. Ten men against a team of this quality. Yeah. Can't really argue, can no, they? No, no, we can't, Derek, no. And then really harshly, on the 91st minute, we went 3-0 down. Kamara... The boy just had a nightmare at this one. Horrendously loses the ball in our half. Ball into our box on the right. They cut it back and into the back of net. Just Kamara, too busy dallying in the game. You can't do that at this level. No, de- definitely not, Derek. But as you say, 
I think it kind of uh, it, it made it more of a polished result for Napoli more than what it really should, should have been to be perfectly honest with you Yeah, I mean I think if we had stayed 11 men you, you know there's always a good case where we could have you know, maybe snuck something back. Yep. Ten, ten men with one goal down. Yeah, that's just asking for trouble, isn't yeah, it, at this level? Definitely. So, yep. last piece of play here was on the 93rd minute when the referee actually gave a penalty to us for a handball in the box. It went to VAR, and the referee viewed the VAR and no penalty. <laughs> Inconclusive from what the replays we've seen, but, you know, it was only going to be a consolation anyway. So, a really disappointing result. Uh, as I said, 3 0 was, was really harsh on us. The referee, a lot was made about him. He got all the big decisions right. He done us a favour at the end of the day by no sending Morelos off when he really should have. Uh, I think that it was more a case of there was a lot of niggly things like the, the second yellow card, like the yellow card for Barisic. A lot of 50-50s were going Napoli's way. And bearing in mind, he's the referee that wrongly chopped off Morelis' goal when we were, I think it was a two-each game at Ibrox against Borussia Dortmund last season yeah. as well. So a lot made about the referee, but... You can't really argue with a lot of the big decisions. Just disappointing, Derek. It was an improved performance, like you said. The sending off made it virtually impossible to get anything from the game. There's still something missing. I realise, you know, as everybody's saying, it's a higher standard of football, but I don't really buy that, Derek, considering some of the performances that we had last season with virtually the same team. There's definitely something, you know, there's a spark missing, especially being at Ibrox as well, it was just, it was, it was a, a very disappointing result and one, you know, we're even just wanting a goal to celebrate in the Champions League, Derek, but it's no coming, is it? No, no it's, uh, it's going to be difficult to get even, I'm not even looking at getting out of the group now, no, I'm looking at no. third, and I think we're always realistic, if we're being realistic, looking at third place, even before that, I think we don't want to disgrace ourselves. And as much as we played well in the, the Napoli game, the, the result's still going to say 3 0. It's going to look as if we are disgracing ourselves. But yes. um, we just need to see what we're going to get out of the, the Liverpool game and see, hopefully, that <laughs> their bad form continues. Uh, I, no, I'm hoping so, Derek, but it's, it's going to be very tough. Let's be perfectly honest with you. You spoke about the international break there. I'm hoping the international break has done us good. You know, it's, it's it's going to make the players come back a bit more fresh, a bit more determined, a bit more positive, uh, and you know, really, you know, be up for a Liverpool game as all the fans are. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Yes. So the next game we've got to cover was Saturday the seventeenth of September. It was a two-one win at home against Dundee United in the Premiership. Now, New York was five hours behind, so by the time I landed, the game was already over, and I seen it was two one. So, delighted with the win, seen the score, was disappointed with the fact that we were two 0 up and we let them score. And yep. I don't know, was it a nervy last wee bit? But Dave, you'll get <laughs> into it. I certainly will, Derek. Well, the the, the team that uh, Gio put out for this game, uh, McGregor keeping his place in goal, obviously with McLaughlin being injured, uh, the back four, uh, Tavernier, Goldson. King in from the start and Barisic in midfield, Lundstrom, Jack, Arfield and Charlie McCann playing in this game, Derek. So good, good to see the young lad getting in there and up front, Ryan Kent and Cholak. So still trying to figure the team out and the formation out of Dassat for, you know, right up. Wasn't he sure if Arfield was getting played on the right hand side? He was at certain stages. It was you know, things were getting changed about. But uh, on the bench uh, it was Yilmaz, Davis, Sands, Morelos, Wright, Davies, McCrory, Sakala, and Tillman. So uh, you know, look, looking at the bench there, Derek, that's a you know very very strong bench that we've got. Considering all the players that have still got injured to come back as well, it's it's just frustrating. Uh, you know the, the the way things have been recently because it's a very very strong squad that we've got, and a lot of people have been. Uh, saying that we don't have and stuff like that. But when you look at the bench you've got there, nearly every single player there could, you know, potentially get a starting place in the team. But anyway, the game started and it was really all, all Rangers to start off with. Very early chance. James Tavernier with a, a ball uh, into the box, which was played to Jack on the left-hand side of the box. He put a first-time low cross right to the six-yard box going straight for Ryan Kent, who had continued a run into the box. All he had to do was just connect with the ball, even just a half connection with the ball, I think he would have scored. But 
It was a fresh air shot completely right in front of goal. Really should have scored there. Early chance to Rangers. But it was good to see that we were getting off to a, a flying start there. Then about five minutes after that, just on the, the fifth minute, Goldson, he wins the ball in midfield. He feeds John Lundstrom a great through ball then to Ryan Kent on the left-hand side of the box. He does his usual touch over. He puts a low cross back to Arfield, almost in exactly the same position that he had been in five minutes earlier. And Arfield lashes it with a shot right over the bar from almost exactly the same position. Should have burst the net. You'd expect Arfield to score that to type of goal. Wasn't to be, but another guilt-edge chance there. Should have been 2-0, but thankfully... On the eighth minute, we got our first goal of the game, and it actually all came from a corner for Dundee United. So, uh, corner for United, it was cleared to, to the edge uh, of the box. It was played out to the left, but a fantastic tackle by James Tavernier. He steals the ball and runs basically from his own box right up to the, the Dundee United box, plays the ball inside to Cholak, he takes one touch, fires it low past the goalkeeper, fantastic finish, fantastic break for Rangers and, you know, the, the early goal, just what we're looking for. Did you get to see the goal, Derek? I've seen the goals, yeah, that was outstanding from Tavernier, all yep. from him, it stemmed from, that was the Tavernier we've been looking for and bloody hell, he put a tackle and it actually worked as well. Yeah, he did. So, uh, what, what a piece of play, brilliant from him. Yep, superb stuff. Then we were expecting, you know, the floodgates to open, Derek. Let's be perfectly honest. A chance after that, Ryan Jack, he wins the ball in midfield, runs forward, through ball to Scott Arfield on the right-hand side of the box. He hits a shot low, but just past the post. Really un un unlucky there. But then after that, we kind of put our foot off the gas, Derek, for the, the last sort of 10 minutes of the first half. Dundee United getting more and more of the ball. Uh, Glenn Middleton, obviously their main outlet, and it was him who had a great chance just before half-time. The ball was played through to him. He run through one-and-one one with Alan McGregor. Hits a shot, but a fantastic save by the legs from Alan McGregor, keeping it at 1-0 to Rangers. That was where the first half ended. So like I said, really for the guilt edge chances we had, we should have been at least 3 nothing up there, Derek. But only 1-0, so guilty again of missing these these chances. Yeah, I, that's the disappointing element of of it there. I know Arfield had a couple and yep. was, he's normally better at that. So yep. again, obviously not seeing the game, I can only comment from yes. the, the brief 10 minutes of the highlights that RTV yeah. has seen. But yeah, uh, disappointing that we've taken our foot off the gas and not went for the jugular. Thankfully, though, in the start of the second half, we started off on the front foot and we managed to double our lead only four minutes into the second half. Great passage of play from Rangers. Triangle passes from Ken inside to John Lundstrom, back out to the left wing, this time for Borna Barisic, who put in a fantastic uh, cross to the near post. And there was Cholak. He nipped in front of Charlie Mulgrew, flicks the ball past the goalkeeper. Superb poacher's play there by Cholak. Fantastic crossing from Borna Barisic. And that was where, that's where I think that, that, that Cholak does his best. He is the modern day version, I think, Derek. I said it before of Chris Boyd, able to sniff the ball out, comes alive inside the box. He certainly did there. A fantastic goal. Yeah, what a cross and the lovely wee flick. The, I mean, the cross was was inch perfect and put into that very dangerous area, just right in front of the keeper, right in front of the defenders as well. And what a, what an execution from Cholak. Yep, it's, it's what we want to see from Barisic, isn't it? We all know that he's probably the best crosser of the ball in, at the club. Uh, and we missed so much of it last season with him for some reason. But this season, he's, he's been back to putting in some fantastic balls in, into the box. And you can, you know, just about every quality ball that he puts in either ends up with a goal or, you know, a fantastic save by the goalkeeper. So that's exactly what, what we're wanting. But great for us to get the second goal uh, so early in the second half. And again, thinking that we would go on and, you know, try to kill the game off. Uh, quickly because you know not long after that we had another fantastic chance where Ryan Kent gets the ball on the edge of the box a left hand side cuts inside on his right foot hits a fantastic shot great save by the goalkeeper and cleared uh, 
But then, Derek, that's when, again, we just seem to step off the gas there. Uh, Dundee United coming back into the game, they were getting their passing game going, keeping possession of the ball, but playing fairly well, to be fair to them. And then on the 59th minute, they got, got their goal. And again, it just came from really lackadaisical play, nobody pressing, no, nobody marking, and they seem to just pass their way from their own, for the halfway line, right up to the edge of our box, pass the ball, no one going into tackle, no one covering, and then just a simple overlap by their winger with nobody on him whatsoever. The ball was played through to him and he just fired it low underneath Alan McGregor. A simple goal for them to score. And again, our defence standing, looking at each other, you know, trying to figure out who was supposed to be marking who. Just a really, really poor goal again, Derek. I mean, from a Dundee United team that couldn't buy a goal, it was actually a pretty good move from them, completely aided by our defence. So they didn't know, know what to do with a, a fast-paced attack coming at us, which was really disappointing. They moved it from left to right quite easily, and our players just seemed to be wondering what was happening. And, I mean, it's, as much as I can blame the defenders here, could McGregor have done a bit better as well? It's, it's, it was a, a sort of culmination of, of everything, I think, Derek. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was in the 59th minute. Dundee United com- coming back into the game, as you knew they would, you know, their, their confidence was up. Time for a wee change. 70th minute, a, a double change made. Arfield and Jack off, Wright and Tillman on. And then again, a chance for Rangers. I'm not going to say it was a great chance, but it was a chance for Rangers, Scott Wright just on. He was desperate, I think, just to try and get in, get, get a shot and goal. He managed to do that just a few, few minutes later. Low shot for the right-hand side of the box, but saved by the goalkeeper. And then a fantastic chance, and you've really got to put this down more to an incredible save than anything else. Great move. Uh, Borna Barisic again on the left-hand side with a massive curling cross into the box. Connor Goldson was still up from a previous attack. He was at the back post. He gets, jumps up, heads the ball back into the centre of the box. There was Tillman with a, you know, a thunderous header. We all thought the net was going to bulge. It was right at the goalkeeper, though, but at the same time, it was a great save by him over the bar. Really should have scored at that point as well, just to wrap the game up. Wasn't to be. Dundee United, though, putting pressure on us at the end of the game. They were still managing to pass the ball about, which was quite worrying, putting some crosses into the box. But thankfully, we managed to hold out. Derek, it should have been a breeze of a game, but uh, you know a lot of missed chances by us to, to put the, the game to bed early. It wasn't to be... I think we were all a wee bit disappointed with the result. I think we were looking back at the Dundee United team that have been getting absolutely scalped under their old regime, but... You've really got to think, Derek, they've got a new manager in the players will all be trying to impress. You know, we, we should have known it would have been a much better performance by them. But the three points is the most important thing for us. And going by what happened the next day with our rivals across the city, it could pretty well t- t- turn out to be a vital three points for us, Derek. Yeah, I mean, when I've seen the result, as I said, happy with the, with the, the win. At, this, at the end of the day, we, we, need, we needed that win. You know, we're coming off the back of three big losses and we just needed the three points at the end of the day. As much as it was, from what I'm hearing, obviously from what you've said there as well, as it wasn't the the most vintage of performances from us, it was a confidence booster, I think. Now, hopefully, as you said before, with the international break, time to regroup and we'll hopefully come out on fire against Hearts at the weekend. But, you know, you know what Rangers are like as well with an informed Hearts team as well. But just to round out the Dundee United game as well, there was obviously another minute silence for the the passing of the Queen, which was again spoiled by vile chants from the Dundee United fans. Didn't really help the matters with our fans shouting back at them. There was a rendition of God Save the King as well. And interestingly, Andy Murray and Cameron Norrie were in attendance yeah. as they had been in Glasgow for the Davis Cup. Davis which, Cup, yep. Yeah, it turns out that Andy Murray trained with us when he was age 15 yeah. but didn't take it any further as he wanted to focus on tennis. So yep. maybe a wise choice, that one. I knew that one already, Derek. I did know that. He is a Hibs supporter but he did train with Rangers, you know, when he was a youth player. So, all-round sportsman there, Derek, eh? 
Absolutely. So in the table, we've played seven, won five, drawn one, lost one, scored 16, conceded eight, goal difference plus eight, and on 16 points. Now, you mentioned it there because of Celtic's slip up against St. Murden. We're only sitting two points behind Celtic. They're now 14 behind them in goal difference, though, but that is largely down to the 9-0 drubbing they gave Dundee United. Exactly. We're only three ahead of Hearts as well, which is a bit concerning. So that's going to be a massive game at the weekend. So this is the thing. We're only two points behind Celtic. Yes, we've had a few bad results, a couple of horrendous performances and slowly getting better. So this whole hysteria that's that's kind of came from not signing anybody in deadline day, from having a couple of bad results, it's a long, long season. And this is why I've never been panicked throughout this. But as you highlighted, we've still got players that are still to come back from injury. There's players that are not even getting their game yet. That's, as I said, that's another question because he's not playing players that are clearly fit, that are new as well. But, well, it's a long season. I've always said that throughout every podcast we've done, Dave. There is a lot of questions that, 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 that are still there, though, Derek, with, you know, certain players that have been brought in that aren't getting a game. You, you made a great point earlier on there about no new players in the start and 11, which is very strange, I think. Going for the old guard, there's still things there with the, the likes of Morelos as well. We don't know what's happening there also. It's, uh, there are still a lot of questions, but as I say, I'll take the victory a- any day. There is a World Cup coming up as well, which is going to disrupt the season also. So who knows what can happen, Derek? It's it's no bad for us not playing particularly well and only being two points behind. So that's the way I'm trying to look at it at the moment. Yeah. So... The games to come, what we've got is, as I said, Saturday the 1st of October, it's away to Hearts in the Premiership, that's a 12.30 kickoff. so an early one there on Saturday, can't believe it's October already. Yeah. Tuesday the 4th of October, away to Liverpool in the Champions League, Group A, Game 3, that's an 8pm kickoff. Saturday the 8th of October, at home to St Merlin in the Premiership, that's a 3 o'clock kickoff. Then Sunday the 16th of October, away to Motherwell in the Premiership, that's another midday kickoff. Uh, there's plenty more to come in October, but hopefully we'll get a podcast out before then the, the, anyway. I would like to think so, Derek, yes. Yep. So we'll go in now into the news. So, a lot to cover in the news, Dave, as there always is. When as we leave always, yeah. I'm going to leave it a few weeks as well. Now, communication from the board is like buses. None of it for ages, and then it all comes at once. So, John Bennett, and then Stuart Robertson, then James Bisgrove on Heart and Hand. I think the SLO Greg Marshall's going to be on Heart and Hand shortly as well. So, they're all coming out now. There's a lot in everything that's everybody said. I'm not going to cover much as probably everybody's, you know, read it or, or listened to it or watched it all already. You can all do that yourselves anyway if not already done. So a lot of sound bites from the Bennett one. The long and short of it is that they know that there's communications issues. They're trying to sort it. There isn't piles and piles of cash. The costs for infrastructure are more than estimated. We've invested in the squads. And it's not fair to judge some of the players now because they've been injured or not given enough game time. John Bennett used an example of Bassey. He had a poor start of his career with Rangers and then ended up being a record sale for us. So he's got a good point in, in that respect there. We need to give players time. He talked about the the US investor that we're suing as well. He did make the point that they are duty-bound to at least listen to offers, which is absolutely 100% correct in that. Now, if you listen to the Crowpod Shane's runs last week on his podcast, you would completely think otherwise. But what these investors have tried to do afterwards is completely out with their control. That's the whole reason why we're suing them for, for that then. But when you think about it, they have fiduciary responsibility to listen to investors and possibly money coming in. So, Dave, did you get to see any of the, the, the John Bennett interview? I did. I got to see some of it, Derek. There's, I don't know. The, the the whole analogy that he used with, with, with Bassey and stuff like that, we were going on about players. Go to remember, I don't think we actually paid anything for Bassey. He wasn't brought in to be a starter in the team either. He was brought in as a, a youth player as well. So I, I don't really get that. The business side of things, Derek, I've got to bow to the knowledge of these guys. You get all these business experts on Twitter and that know about as much uh, than the vast majority of fans do and try to 
put their own spin on it and stuff like that. So, so you really have to be careful of who you're you're listening to and advice that, that you're taking. But we really have to, to to listen to what he's saying with, with regards to the the business. Certainly the investment that they've put in to the team as you know as well as off the field there's a lot of things there that I wasn't aware of as well but I still think that there was still a lot of questions that, that needed to be answered as well which he kind of sloped away from as well but I mean that's what happens when you're in the business that you're in but uh, you know a lot of things answered there's still a few things not answered again it's made a few people a bit happier that he's came out and spoke but we we'll have to wait and see what else gets said? As you say, I'm looking forward to the fans liaison officer, uh, some of the questions that are put to him just to see what happens there. Business experts, you mean Celtic fans? Um, not even Celtic <laughs> fans, Derek. I'm talking about guys who are in the fans' ear on certain podcasts as well, who you know know as much about you know business as what we do, but you know put their two, two pence in. It's it's a difficult one, Derek. I'm certainly not in the position where I can come out and question and say, oh no, he's talking absolute nonsense or, oh no, he's talking, you know, everything make, makes complete sense. I just have to go and face value with a lot of things and make my own mind up about it. So it's it's more that side of things. We all know that Celtic fans are going to come out and try and rubbish everything that's said about the club or anything that comes out. We don't pay any attention to that. But there's certain other people within our support that I think have the ear of a lot of people who, you know, don't know as much as what they're letting on. If, if, if you get what I'm saying I mean I think we're in a, a weird position and as, as Rangers fans because of what happened to us and there seems to be this element that we should know a lot more than we were actually getting told but you've got to remember that, that Rangers are a business whether we like it or not they're a football club but there's a business behind that as well and we're never going to be privy to certain aspects of it, yes. even though we, we want to be. Yes. Now, I can understand why people wanted to be privy to it, but because it's a business, we're never going to be privy to things. So I think there's a fine line between what we get to know and what we should know and what we're allowed to know. And yeah. I, I think that's where the, the, the line is a bit blurred sometimes because of what we went through and we expect to know more than we actually should. But... That's that's the life as a Rangers fan, yeah, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. Stuart Robertson then came out as well and confirmed that the forty million pound from the Champions League is absolutely nonsense. Now that was debunked before we even qualified because if you actually look at it in the fees that you, you get for yourself, then you would find out that you only get forty million pound if you effectively win your group stage games, all six of them, you know. So I think that the the, the, the <laughs> base fee comes in the now because it's all on a slanted scale depending on your coefficient and your I think it's like the 10 year coefficient and obviously because we've only been in Europe the last what four years we're starting right at the bottom so I think we are sitting at 31st out of 32 teams in the Champions League for that so we only get like a million pound whereas I think the, the, like on the other end of the scale Real Madrid get about 30 million pound from that part so they automatically get more money so it's a it's one of these things that will improve in time when we're in Europe and as long as we do well obviously but, yeah, you need to win your games, and that's what it's pr proviso of. Derek, again, I think a lot of this all comes from the, the misled information that we get fed by certain media outlets. I think a lot of people, especially the the, uh, the green-favoured media out there who would come away with every bullshit figure about every time that they, they were in Europe saying that they were making 40 million and stuff like that. I think we as fans, you know, think that that's all true and it's absolutely a, a lot of tosh, but it's it's great for them, uh, you, you know, to spin, to say that they're, they're, they're making a lot of money. I think that we as fans get carried away with stuff like that. There's a lot of misinformation out there and that's where it all comes from, I think. Yeah, I mean, case in point, where until it actually got clarified, until we qualified, we were under the impression that we were getting five million pound just for reaching the playoff stages of the Champions League, and then we get the Champions League money on top of that. But no, you only get the five million pound if you get put out after the the playoff stages. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot, as you said, there is misinformation out there. Yeah. Talking of misinformation, though, the TV deal, Dave. Oh, Derek, Derek, right here. He, he, here we go. I've, yeah. I've, actually, I've actually been <laughs> dreading this, to be perfectly honest with you, because I know how heated that this gets. But it's just a farce, Derek. I'll, oh. I'll, 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 I'll let you get into it. 
now. It needed a 11-1 majority. Us and Livingston did not reply to the initial uh, call to arms, as it were, out of the 12 teams. However, surprise, surprise, Livingston appears to have voted in favour of it. It didn't really matter because we all know that the SPFL have a history of changing voting rules, so they would have made it 10-2 anyway. The usual suspects were trotted out to see how good a deal it was, culminating in Aberdeen Chief Dave Cormack. Now, we're to start with this man here. He claimed that the criticism of the deal was devoid of all facts in any context, and then he went on a drivelled rant devoid of any facts in context. Yeah. Utter horseshit that came from him. Even his own fans were telling him he's absolutely wrong. He had wee graphs. He made claims that the pay-per-view model needs to be trialled. Well, it was trialled last year. It worked without any loss of season ticket revenue at all. Fans actually, the attendances actually increased last year despite pay-per-view for pretty much all the all season. Why do we need then nine years of trial and pay-per-view? Because yeah. the deal now runs up to 2029 or whenever yeah. it is. He then made this absolutely bizarre claim that we get more than double than the Swedish league, the Danish Danish league, Which the, the Dutch league. And then he, he said it was we were getting 500,000 per game. No, Dave. No. It's because Sky, Sky have the rights to all 200-odd games. It's not just the up to... That's a keyboard there, up to 48 games they broadcast. So he's either deliberately lying to us and his own fans and everyone else, or he doesn't understand he doesn't the fundamental the basics. No. <laughs> so either way, for him to be in the position he is, spouting that is an absolute disgrace. At the end of the day as well, he was part of the five clubs in the summer that paid to get a report done and how to grow the game. They're just absolutely yep. hamstrung us right there. Incredible, Dave. It's incredible, it really is. It's, it's short-sightedness at it, its very worst, Derek. And as you say, for, for him to come away with stuff like that, he either he's either completely off his head or he doesn't know the, the full facts of the, the, the deal itself. Quite incredible. And as you say, for the fact that his own fans were telling him that, that he was getting everything wrong speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand, and this is what nobody can understand, why the likes of Celtic are agreeing with this deal and want to go along with it. Now, you can understand for the the, the weir clubs that they want guaranteed money in, but yeah, mm-hmm. Celtic, along with us, are the only reason why there is a, a, a TV deal in the first place. Why they want to basically limit the income that they could make off this. Now, we're not saying we're going to get the £200 million deals, not at all, but we can certainly do a lot better than, what is yes. it, £27 million per season, and it's only up to 48 games. Why couldn't Sky have said, right, we'll give you this deal and it's only for the up to 40 games or up to 60 games? And then it leaves the clubs or the SPFL to allow them to negotiate other deals with other companies or allow clubs to do what they've done last year and the last couple of years is go on their own pay-per-view channel. Every club now has got this. So it's not as if they need to build the infrastructure there. The next thing is Tam McManus was championing the deal on Twitter as well. He's so fucking stupid that he actually <laughs> argued against his own point on Twitter. I missed this one, Derek. Right, oh. when you go. He firstly said that there was no alternative bidder, so we had to take it. And then when it was pointed out to him that it never went out to tender, he was challenged about it. He agreed, yeah, that didn't go out to tender. So how can there be no any other how can there be no any other bids then, you absolute fud? Because it never went out to tender. Oh, Oh my god, but again, foot, foot, football and e- economic expert Tam McManus, you know what I mean? It says, it says it all to me. I think that man has had about 15 different clubs and he never had a transfer fee in one of them. <laughs> the guy is a plum. He maybe doesn't know how tr- tr- transfer fees work, Derek. You don't know that. <laughs> maybe not, no, no. <laughs> Now, Neil Doncaster trotted out as well, only gave select interviews, refused yeah. to do other interviews with other people like uh, Ewan Cameron as well. I mean, why do we even bother with that man? £400,000 per year to be as useful as a wet paper dildo. Unbelievable. Derek, only you could use that analogy there. Well, that doesn't say anything about me, Dave. <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, so I mean that's us. Where the deal's basically been signed now, yep. and that's us. We're completely fucked for the next work till twenty twenty nine. I think it yes, is. Yes, that's the, that, right. But what there's such as rain, James Bisgrove came out today and said, "Well, this is you know we want to do our plan. This is we've got so many other companies we could have went for. There's uh, companies like Dazzin Sports. There's uh, I think uh, BT are joining up with Discovery. There's the Amazon deal. I mean, these are platforms which." You know, you look at Amazon, they've signed a deal with the Premiership. A vast majority of the country's already got Amazon Prime. They're something that wouldn't have cost fans yeah. any more money. I mean, it's, it's the same in America, Derek. You know how I'm a huge fan of the NFL. It's the same there. Amazon, as well as all the other leading networks in America, all have a deal with the NFL to show set games. Why can that not be the same for Scottish football? Oh, just, it's, it's incredible. It really is incredible. I mean, we're not asking for as I said, 200 million, but we can do a hell of a lot better than what we're doing. And yep. the game, the, the actual monetary value per game is only going to reduce and they're only selling up to 48 and it might actually go up to 60 games. That's absolutely, that's making it even worse because I think there was a, a stat that came out as well that about 80% of the games involve Rangers or Celtic anyway. So, Rangers and Celtic are then going to be struggling to then sell the five games that they've got on, on pay-per-view. That, that's part of the deal as well. One of the other things of the game as well is that they've got the rights to the women's game as well, which I suppose that's good in a way because it's getting exposure on a, a, a bigger level. But then does that then affect, because I'm pretty sure that Rangers TV get the women's game. I might be wrong yes. with that one, uh-huh. but they might get the women's game as well. So does that mean then I'm going to lose access to the, to the, to, to I, the women's game if I, I wanted to honestly, watch it? I don't know, Derek. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, next thing here is Rangers have been fined around £250,000 as part of a price-fixing issue. Now, it relates back to the Elite and JD Sports deal, who were both also fined around one and three quarter million between them. I think it was one and four, £1.4 million to JD and the rest to Elite. Now, it was basically all surrounds the fact that JD were selling the replica tops for 55 quid. Elite selling for 60, Rangers wanted JD to sell for 60, they had a wee brief discussion, JD and Elite went and had discussions on their own and they fixed the price at 60, so Rangers were fined less as we had limited involvement in it, Yeah, but it still doesn't look good at all Dave. No it? It, it doesn't Derek, no, it actually looks more like some sort of dodgy deals have been ongoing there rather than anything else, no, no transparency at all and as you say it really doesn't look good on the club. No, so more questions need to be asked about that one. Next thing here is Roy Mackay's absence was noted over the last few games and it turns out he's been granted compassionate leave by the club due to a family matter. Now, I think that's a bit older news now, but I hope all is well with, yeah. with uh, Roy Mackay's family definitely. there and yep. he gets back safe and sound. Yeah, definitely. Next one here, Morelos was left out of the Columbia squad for this run of games there that was just there. Still not fully fit. He's played virtually nothing in the last five months, granted. Something that Rangers should be doing their best to stop him going in the future, given the fact that he never seems to get a game when he goes there. No, it's actually, it's maybe a, a bit of a relief, Derek. I know there, has, see, there seems to be a lot of ha- hatred for Morelos at the moment with certain supporters with regards to him get, getting in shape and uh, get, getting himself right mentally. Uh, there was a wee picture of him uh, on holiday which seemed to infuriate a lot of supporters as well, saying that he should be uh, you know, he should be back trying to get into shape. But maybe a good thing that he's not involved with the Columbia team, Derek, because it always seems to end up as a disaster for us any time that he does yep. become involved, not getting a game, coming back injured long flights, so I'm taking that as a good thing more than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Next thing here is Glenn Kamara was apparently subject to more racist abuse, this time from a Montenegro player when Kamara was playing against them for Finland. The Finnish FA have said it's not getting taken further forward with UEFA uh, as it looks as if Kamara doesn't want to take it any further forward. Now, it's a sad indictment and the state of things that if if that's really true and that's if he if he feels that he doesn't want the hassle after last time, uh, just shocking all round, isn't it? It's uh, Derek, you can see where he's coming from because you know it was like hitting the you know his head off a brick wall. The club as well, it was it was absolutely shocking what he did go through and you know met with as, as I say with a brick wall from UEFA denial from the other players and that was basically seen as gospel. So. 
you know, it's it's absolutely terrible that he's getting put through that, but you can see that he's obviously, he must be really, really fit, fed up and saying to himself, what is the point of me trying to do anything here? And as you said, a really, really sad indictment of the game just now. Yep. Next thing here is Rangers have avoided a seven-figure payout to this old haunt, Carlos Benner. Oh, right, okay. I didn't hear, didn't see that one, no, but so there you go. It just came out today, apparently. It surrounds his alcohol issues where we tried to help him. He went out on loan. He was still a liability and he was duly sacked because of it. Now, he lodged a complaint with FIFA duty. He was claiming a breach of contract by us, which he initially won, but then we taken it to the court of arbitration for sport. The case lasted 18 months and it was only just, hurt, it was only just finished today. And we basically made the point that he was still our responsibility effectively because even though he was on loan, he was still on our books and he would have came back to us anyway. So we won that case with a, a jury verdict two to one. So no payout to him. And that's the last that he won't get to take it any further than that. So right, uh, okay. an interesting one that, that we never knew I about. Know. Another uh, another strange time in the, the, the history of Glasgow Rangers was that player, a guy who undoubtedly had the talent Derek I don't think that we, we did any know he could score goals but just the complete wrong fit the wrong character and you know it was a, a disaster in the end yeah, maybe if he had been maybe born in the, you know, 20, 30 years before where the drinking culture was a wee yeah. bit more accepted, then might have got away with it. But, yeah, you know, not now. But I hope, certainly, anyway, because as you said, he's got the talent. I hope he gets his personal demons sorted out anyway yeah. with, it, with that one. Now, a really interesting one here. Emails have been obtained by the Scotsman in relation to the Rangers title celebrations a couple of years ago. We had planned to hold a training session and dinner for the players, I believe, at Ibrox on the day the title was mathematically won. However, senior officers within Police Scotland were concerned that it would significantly impact on the safety of the public and their officers. Superintendent Stephen Dolan had worried that mass celebrations had the potential to significantly impact on public health and that of of police officers due to ongoing COVID-19 position at the time. He said, I'm told that our discussions with the club suggest that the directors are intent on the players gathering at the venue should they be declared league winners and potentially using training as a reason to do so. Whilst I'm clearly not in a position to question the credibility of any intent to conduct training at, at the venue that on the day, I would question why they would do so when this was not their normal training venue. And to my understanding, training would not normally occur at that time on a Sunday. I would go so far as suggesting that taking the team to Ibrox during such celebrations may be morally and potentially legally reckless. David Hamilton, the strategic football lead of the Scottish Government, told Callum Beattie, Director of Operations at SPFL and Police Scotland officials, that we would strongly discourage anything that increases the risk of supporters gathering. He also said justification from the club for holding a training at Ibrox was contrived and a departure from usual practice. Now, where the fuck do we start with that one, Dave? There's that much in there. I don't know what their thinking was that there was going to be like a mass gathering of supporters. That, that, that was going to happen regardless, wasn't it? So what's your thinking on the whole thing, Derek? I just think that Rangers can train and do whatever they want when, when it's in the confines of their own building. Uh-huh. So as you said, things were going to happen regardless. Yeah. So we all know what's what's kind of transpired with Rangers talks, uh, with the the lies that have came out from the Scottish government and other authorities in relation to Rangers should have done more to prevent this. Rangers did do everything in their uh-huh. power to do this. As you said, this was going to happen anyway. Whether Rangers wanted to train at Auchenhowie or Ibrox and hold a dinner within a private building within their own bubble still bear yeah. in mind that should have made, made no difference, no difference whatever. Yep. So yep. how they can turn around and try and chastise us for this is something that's just incredulous. I've said this before, but there's going to be some serious questions need to be asked about the way people were treated during the whole COVID lockdown thing, both in a professional term in football and both in a, a public and private term, as in just me and you, the general public. Because for Rangers to be told that, is, is a disgrace for me. Yeah, totally, Derek. Yep. Yep. But anyway, that's another another thing that old oh, big bad Rangers as as per <laughs> usual. Anyway, next thing here is the Loudon Tavern outside Ibrox was vandalised the morning of the Queen's funeral with green paint stating eight million pound funeral while our country starves and fuck the king. 
I mean, I'm not sure what the hell that's got to do with a pub, but it just shows the length the mentalists on the other side will go to to have a go at us. It's uh, it's quite a sad sort of way of life in Scotland, Derek, and it, it's not just about things like that. Football really does rule with a, a lot of things. It, it, it overrules people's emotions when it comes to politics. It overrules people's emotions when it comes to, you know, the the monarchy. Overrules people's emotions when it comes to, you, you know, a lot. It's uh, it's really quite sad. And as, as you say, for somebody to go to the lengths to do that shows you the mentality of certain people in this country and unfortunately it's not just a small minority of people it is a large minority of people who all share the one common goal of the the certain team that they support but I didn't want to get too too involved in that Derek but but, but we all know don't we yeah Anyway, the last piece of football news here is I've got three retirees. Charlie Adam retires, age, retires at age 36. Um, I always liked him. Great wonder him yep. as well. I, it's, he wasn't known for being the, the fittest player or the fastest player, Derek, but when it came to technique, when it came to scoring goals, when it came to, you know, he's, 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 he scored some really important goals for us, as he did when he went down south and, you know, eventually picked up by Liverpool and still playing to a high standard just up until, until recently as well. So, I, a great player, some great memories for him and, you know, we wish him all, all the best. I'm sure he will have something lined up for the next part of his life. So, yeah, I, we'll look back with fond memories, Derek. I think he'll just be remembered for that dive now, won't he? (laughs) (laughs) Next player here is Lewis McLeod. Unfortunately, I had to retire due to injuries age 28. He picked up a mysterious bug, did he not, when he was with us during the banter years. His career at Rangers never recovered. Always a great prospect as well, that overhead kick goal. You'll never forget that one there. And anyway, he moved down south. He got a bad knee injury and he's never been the same since. No. He apparently was told that he could get one last operation, which it might, might not work. It's going to be a year's recovery, and he's obviously just decided to call it a day. So yeah. a real, real shame from there. It is, Derek, by far the best player in the Rangers team at that stage. I know that wasn't difficult with the types of players that we had playing for us, but for a youngster to come through and e- easily be our best player, I remember we were all absolutely gutted when we sold him for a million pounds. But as you say, just before that, some sort of virus absolutely floored him and he, he never seemed right after that. And then, you know, really unfortunately for him, he got his moved into Brentford, I think it was, and got the bad injury. And he's, you know, like, exactly like you said, he, he's, he's never been the same player again. So really sad for him, promising player and, you know, the perils of professional football, eh? Yes. And the last one here is Lee Wallace has retired at aged 35. Yep. The grass. <laughs> the grass. Again, Derek, a player that stuck with us could easily have left when the shit hit the fan. He didn't do so. He was a captain of the club. He was a great player for us. Even you know when we're in the Premier League, always the the, the ultimate professional for us. Uh, at the end of his career, went down, played for QPR, played quite a few games down there. So another player who you know served the club really, really, really well and. You know, we, we wish him all the best as well. Yep, absolutely. So, woman had 55 batteries in her bum and stomach, as doctors say it was the highest number ever. <laughs> the 66-year-old woman had dozens of batteries in her stomach and colon. She managed to expel five with surgery, removing 46 more, and the remaining four were milked from her colon. <laughs> During a hospital visit, one woman was found to have dozens of batteries up her bum and in her stomach. (laughs) Medical staff at St Vincent's University Hospital in Dublin revealed that the 66-year-old patient had a total of 55 batteries in her body. They discovered after an x-ray identified foreign objects in her body. Luckily, I'm I'm dying for the explanation here, Derek, right? Luckily, none were obstructing her gastrointestinal tract, so doctors hoped she would pass them naturally. According to the report in the Irish Medical Journal, the woman managed to deposit five double A's the first week, but the rest were stuck. When she started to experience stomach cramps, the doctors realised that she had a distended stomach and it was hanging above the pubic bone due to the weight of the batteries. 
Sturgeons took act. Sturgeons. <laughs> Sturgeons. Oh, you never know. You never yeah. know. Stories. <laughs> Sturgeons took action and removed forty-six of the bat- the remaining batteries, leaving four still t- still trapped in her colon. The Huffington Post reported that doctors milked them into a rectum to remove them from her anus. <laughs> 55 double, 55 A, AA and triple A batteries 55. in total. Well, come the on, best, Derek. What's the, what's the explanation? Come on. They never actually went on to say why she uh, ingested them in the first place. Very strange, Derek. Very, very strange. I mean, I'm guessing she was all charged up with that one. Oh, see, you were you, you, you were trying to find something. I, I, I didn't dignify that where we are. Pun there, Derek, but yeah, no. I was just wait, waiting when you're coming out with something, but there you go. Yes. So, on that note, we will end the yeah. podcast. So, as ever, you can go to all the usual podcast outlets to uh, see what we do in the, the post-match reports as well. I'm not even going to dignify the website with a, with a response in this <laughs> one because I'm, it's not going to get updated at this point. So, a big important game at the weekend. Lots to play for in the next few games, as ever. Every game is important, as of her as well. So we're just going to hopefully the, the team are going to be switched on. Yeah, de- definitely, Derek. Massive game on Saturday, and then huge, huge game in the Champions League ne- next week. So we just hope that everyone's got their uh, their se- sensible heads on. That's all I can say, and uh, go out and get two fantastic performances. So fingers crossed. Yes. So thanks for listening, and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Manchester, place yourself. Rangers are coming!